Recording from sunny, my mom's spare bedroom in Indiana, this is the Gen Green Podcast, powered by the Young Adults Fighting Tobacco Coalition. It's so wonderful to be doing another episode, especially for uh, Independence Day week. And as a special treat, uh, this week we are going to be talking with the wonderful Dr. Bonnie Halpern Felcher from lovely Stanford. So without further ado, we'd like to thank you for your Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor and we're just very excited to be able to do this with you. If it is to make you feel any better, uh, Chelsea's major is in... <laughs> biology with, yeah, biology. And I'm, I'm hoping to get into medicine someday. So it really is exciting to have you on here for me. Yeah, she, she's an absolute On your recommendation, I actually uh, just got The Devil's Playbook. Uh, a oh, book about... Yes, yes. So uh, I, I can't wait to get into that uh, pretty soon. But Let's get into uh, some of the questions. Chelsea, would you like to start? <laughs> I'm so mean. I'm sorry. It's totally okay. Usually Jenny starts us out, but she couldn't be with us today. But I uh, just kind of wanted to start out with by asking um, for you to kind of describe your work and how you got into this work. Um, what made you passionate about it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a developmental psychologist and I focus on adolescent and young adult health risk behaviors and decision-making around health risk behaviors. So I study why and how um, and what, what influences adolescents to uh, decide to drink or um, use marijuana or have risky sex, unprotected sex, and to use tobacco. But my focus on tobacco and particularly within tobacco vaping has really been because, you know, you, you could have a healthy relationship with alcohol in moderation. You know, we, we say that we hope that uh, people develop into a healthy uh, sexual relationship at some point in their lives and in their relationships when they're ready. But there is no healthy relationship with tobacco and with nicotine. There is just no safe level of use. So when you think about it, that coupled with the fact that we know that teens are being targeted by the tobacco industry, whether we're talking about vaping, e-cigarettes, or if we're talking about cigarettes or any other tobacco and nicotine product, teens are being marketed. And why? Because everybody knows, and the tobacco industry knows, that if we recruit and addict a young person while they're young, and while their brains are still developing, we basically create a life, a person who has a lifelong addiction to a, a lifelong addiction to nicotine. And that's why it's so incredibly important to me to really help young people stay away from nicotine and stay away from tobacco and really to engage in policies and prevention to, uh, to help stop the tobacco industry from preying on our young people. That was an excellent explanation of it. We, we might need to snag some of that language uh, for a little thesis of uh, this program. <laughs> You're welcome to. Oh, I thank you. So uh, continuing along uh, these lines, uh, what, out of your expert knowledge, what would you say is uh, exactly in the 
that goes using to target use? Well, the main thing when you look at what's in the vaping products is flavors. Uh, we know that young people are attracted to using tobacco products and particularly vaping products because of their flavors. They're sweet, they're, there's dessert, and now we've got a lot of mint and mango. And young people who are initiating tobacco, mostly through e-cigarettes, through vaping, not through cigarettes, they're, they're doing it, and we have research on this, that they're doing it because of the flavors. And then they, so that attracts them to it. They continue using it because of the nicotine. That's what addicts them. And there is a lot of nicotine in these products, and we can talk about that. And then they continue to use it because of the nicotine, but then they get sick. And they get sick because of either too much nicotine, but also the flavorants, the propylene glycol, the glycerin, the flavorants themselves are very harmful to your lungs and your heart. Uh, so it really is sort of, you know, you, you lead them to use it, they stay using, and then they, they can become sick and addicted because of all the different chemicals that are in there. To me, it, uh, and again, I'm just recalling this, just out of immediate memory, but uh, a lot of people are starting to compare the jewel craze with uh, the rise of menthol in uh, black and brown communities in the U.S., Absolutely, because while Juul in late 2019, 20, early 2020 uh, took off the flavors, mango, uh, the mango flavors and creme, uh, and, and actually it may have even been before that, I always forget the timeline, but they took off those, those flavors, Juul kept on mint and menthol, and then at some point took mint, mint off, but kept menthol. And the problem is, and we saw this with uh, with cigarettes a while ago, that menthol was really attracting people of color and also people from the LGBTQ community. And we know there's nothing good about menthol. Menthol just numbs your, your mouth and makes the poison go down easier, as one of my colleagues, Dr. Phil Gardner, says. It just makes wow. the poison go down easily. But it's not, there's no redeeming benefit to menthol. But the ads and the cooling sensation is used to target people, young people and people of color. And so suddenly, while we've been fighting this menthol ban with cigarettes, which, by the way, the FDA is finally looking into taking menthol off the market with cigarettes. But while we've been fought, really fighting that fight, Juul and Puff Bar and other places come along and say, well, we're still going to keep menthol on the market well, right, you're not only keeping menthol on the market because kids like it, but also adults like that menthol flavor as well. So there's been a lot of concern, and we saw it in some of the data that as soon as Juul, for example, took uh, creme and took mango off the market, their sales of menthol skyrocketed. So we know young people are still using those products, and they're using those flavors, menthol in particular. No kidding. That's a really uh, novel insight into this. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not going to be this one. Uh, I'm going to hand it off to Chelsea. Yeah, that really, really is interesting how they're kind of going about that. And kind of going back to what you were talking about, what's in vaping products. So kind of talking about the nicotine, nicotine content. Um, so how much nicotine is products because i know it used to be advertised that the best way to quit smoking was to start vaping that's kind of how they used to twist it 
But now I've, I've been reading some research that there's actually quite a bit more nicotine in vaping products than in conventional cigarettes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So yes, I mean, early on, there, there was there was some intention, at least it appears to be, but we're still not 100% sure that all these e-cigarette devices, vaping devices were put on the market, not just as an alternative to, not just as an alternative choice in tobacco products, but also as an alternative to cigarette smoking. So the idea that people would switch or they would quit using cigarettes and they would move over to using e-cigarettes. The problem is that the studies don't show for adults, the studies do not show that an adult that an adult who started with cigarettes and moves to e-cigarettes will quit using cigarettes. Uh, most of the studies show that adults will either be using both products, so cigarettes and e-cigarettes, or adults will move back and forth, but ultimately still continue with cigarettes. So there's really not good evidence that vaping really helps adults quit cigarettes. But the bigger issue is, is that for kids, when I say kids, you know, teenagers and young adults, again, they're starting with e-cigarettes and some of them are moving to cigarettes, but there's an issue with e-cigarettes. So in that case, e-cigarettes are not a substitution or a replacement when you come to teens. It's, it's the product of choice. And the reason why it's concerning is exactly what you asked. There is a tremendous amount of nicotine in these vaping products, particularly the newer ones. So the newer products like Juul and Puff Bar use a, first of all, they use a salt-based nicotine. So older nicotine products like cigarettes and the older e-cigarettes use free-based nicotine. That was very basic, very harsh on your throat, very harsh, very, um, you know, uh, uh, anything that's a real strong base is, doesn't feel good or taste good. Um, so what, what Juul popularized and patented was adding benzoic acid and moving the needle on the litmus test, so to speak, more towards neutral, towards acidic, but really more towards neutral with the idea that it's smoother. You don't have the throat hit. So that's part of why teens like it. So they like it because they don't have the throat hit. They like it because of the flavors. And then they get that rush. So a Juul pod, for example, has 59 milligrams of nicotine per milliliter. That translates to about 41 milligrams of nicotine. That translates to anywhere from one to one and a half to two packs of cigarettes worth of nicotine, depending on the study. So that's a huge amount of nicotine that's in these products. And teens can use them, anybody can use them 24-7. They don't explode the newer products. You can put them under your pet bed, under your pillow. You wake up in the middle of the night, you take a hit. So we're seeing it's the first tobacco product that people are, you can use all the time. You don't have to go outside for it. I mean, you should, but you don't have to. You can use it in your room. It smells good. It tastes good. And young people don't realize the dangers, and they don't realize how much nicotine is in these products. Wow, that is so interesting. I did not realize that they were using like benzoic acid to bring it more into a neutral um, substance. That's really amazing. Um, wow. Johnny, you have any comments for that one? Well, that's, that's crazy. I kind of wish that this was like a, a video program because my eyes are bulging out of my head. <laughs> um, this is my was uh, at yeah was for me since I am a former smoker. I in fact started on vapes 
and because it was that clear, more neutral, um, had these like wonderful flavors, and I could smoke just about any time. Um, oh, and especially, uh, it was so easy for me to conceal uh, when I'd smoke uh, during my time in high school. Yeah, just all of that just ring so true. Oh my gosh, I Whoa. scientific data on this, but I, I personally feel as if my struggle is definitely vindicated by it. Well, I, you're absolutely right. And we have studies that we publish in my lab as well, where we ask teens part of the reason why they're using these products. And it's exactly what you said, that teens will say, well, they're easy to hide. And that's the other problem. So if something looks good, it, they're tiny, they're small, you can palm them, you can put them, them in the palm of your hand. Parents don't realize what they are. We didn't, you know, I work with, uh, I work with health, uh, excuse me, I work with teachers across the country and teachers do, tell me, I didn't realize that this device that I was seeing kids holding was really a, a jewel or was another form of an e-cigarette, was a puff bar, was something else. And they just don't realize what it is. Parents don't realize we get phone calls or emails from parents who just did not realize what it is that their, that their son or daughter was using. So they're very, and, and when it, when your bedroom, I always say to parents, if your kid's room smells like mango and cherries and strawberries, it's probably not fruit salad. It may be a vaping device. Parents don't realize that that's what they're smelling. They don't realize that that's what's in their um, in their son or daughter's room. And then you couple that with being able to hide it so easily. And with it blingy, it's cool, it's high tech. It's not surprising that young people are using these products so much. Yeah, no wonder there's an epidemic among teens and young adults. I mean, they have the look, they have the feel, they have the taste all figured out. That's so unfortunate. Um, dang yeah. big tobacco again. <laughs> but um, you kind of got into this bit, but to kind of take it a step further. So why do you think young people are vaping? Why are there like in like a behavioral sense? Why are there so many young people kind of going towards that trend and starting to vape? Yeah, well, you know, it's just the same thing happened with cigarettes. We we weren't honest and the companies weren't honest about how harmful they were, weren't honest about how much nicotine is in these products, made it sound like it's a cessation device, make, made it sound like it's safe or safer. And, you know, you say to a teenager, this is safer, and they're, they're thinking that that means it's safe. And so we're, there's a lot of misperception out there. Plus, again, they taste good and they're cool. They're interesting and they're the latest socially normative fad. Plus we have the marketing. There's so oh, much gosh. marketing about these products. And, you know, I would see them because there's no regulation around the marketing for e-cigarettes. My, my younger daughter, who's now 21, would say when she was younger, she would be on homework helpers or, you know, Quizlet or just on YouTube and suddenly a commercial would come on for a vaping device. And thankfully she would call me, mom, what do I do? How do I get rid of this? But you know, if she's being bombarded, think about the young people who are actively looking for this information, how much they're gonna be bombarded. So, and, and the commercials, particularly a few years ago, they were beautiful. They had flavors and they were cool and they had dancing young people and, um, and, and lots of colors and blinginess. 
that's attracting our young people. You know, we we adults, and I'm older than you are. I, you know, I don't care about that. That's not important to me. But a young person really is attracted a lot more to the marketing than would it be an adult. And so I think that's another main reason why young people are using these products. To definitely go one step further, again, as a former user of e-cigarettes, also one of the things that really uh, surprisingly just lured me in is because uh, I only just started getting into the Devil's Playbook. Uh, mm-hmm. Plug below in the uh, uh, episode notes. But it's that uh, organizations, Jewel, and other companies run themselves like the tech industry. Their development motto is, you know, go in fast, go in hard. And yeah. one of one of the the things about that, why that is so successful, is in the same reason why um, we have people in the tech industry working. 80 hour weeks and having burnout rates of two to three years and uh, rises of suicides in Silicon Valley. And that's because if you hit them fast, if you hit them hard, uh, the government can't regulate you or they can't regulate you enough or effectively in such a way as to make it so that uh, you get effectively penalized for this reckless and inappropriate behavior shaves the years of I, I think that's just the most uh, shock but it's it's so shocking because it's so effective and they have they're, they're so effective because they have the this terrible formula that works all too well yeah no you're right and and the problem is that the FDA the Food and Drug Administration had the power to regulate these products as early as 2016. In 2009, the FDA garnered uh, the authority to regulate tobacco products, and but it did not include e-cigarettes. We really weren't thinking about or worried about e-cigarettes at the time. E-cigarettes came on the market in the U.S. in 20, 2015, but we were really, uh, excuse me, 2007. E-cigarettes came on in 2007, but we weren't really nervous about those until a few years later, at least with young people. So... The, when when the FDA got authority to regulate t- uh, tobacco products in 2009, signed into law by Obama, it, it didn't really have any legs or teeth with e-cigarettes until 2016 when e-cigarettes became deemed or kind of subsumed into that law. Well, it's at that point that the FDA, you know, we were starting to see this epidemic coming. It's at that point when the FDA could have and should have regulated the flavors, the marketing, the amount of nicotine. Why do we have so much nicotine in these products that a young young person can use? We are the only country to have this much nicotine, we do, we have basically no what's called a nicotine standard. We have no nicotine standard. You can put as much nicotine as you want. In the UK, it's 1.7%. So it's it's about, I don't know what that translates into, about 15, 20 milligrams of nicotine um, or, or less. We've got in, in some of the Asian countries, they don't allow a lot of nicotine. In, in, in uh, Israel, I think they basically have a very low nicotine amount. So when you've got 
unregulated products, unregulated with respect to marketing, flavorants, the, the device itself, the packaging, the and then the nicotine and the flavors. You know, it, it is, you know, people say the Wild West. It's all over the place right now. And the FDA could have squished a lot of this in 2016, 2017, 2018. It's only now that they're really cracking down on these products. Well, that's uh, such a profound insight on it. Yeah, and depressing. Depressing, too. That comes with the territory. But I'm, I'm glad to see that there's other examples around the world of how we can go and apply regulation uh, once we've mustered enough political will to do as such. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And I think it's starting to happen. But, but, you know, the problem is that the FDA regulates one product at a time, we need them to regulate or one class of products like the pod base, which is like Juul, we need them to regulate all of the e-cigarette products that are on the market. And that may come on the market one day, because otherwise we just are knocking out one at a time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and as we said with uh, the Devil's Playbook, they, they know this. They should know yeah. And they're yeah. just uh, that's Wow, that this, it feels like I'm uh, I'm in uh, wow, I'm I'm at a loss for words. Chelsea, could you take the next question? Sure. I mean, yeah, they really do. They have the time, and that's what's really unfortunate about it. And you know, we're in a pan pandemic now. We're still currently in a pandemic, people. In case you're listening, you didn't know. <laughs> but, uh, just in case. But we kind of talked about in our last episode the link between vaping and COVID. And in that episode, we talked about your research into that and vaping and the connection to COVID. Um, but in your words, we would love to hear from you. Um, what is the connection between vaping and the COVID-19 virus? Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot of studies out there, uh, particularly around e-cigarettes and particularly around youth. Most of the studies are looking at cigarettes and, and COVID-19. And most of those studies seem to be finding that, that it's not clear about whether smoking increases the risk of you getting COVID-19. Some studies say it does, some it's not clear, but definitely the studies show that if you are using cigarettes and you get COVID, you're more likely to be very sick, hospitalized, and potentially die. With e-cigarettes and e-cigarettes and young people, there are many fewer studies that are out there. So we did do a study, the one that you're referring to, that was published in August of 2020 in the Journal of Adolescent Health. And in that study, we um, surveyed 4,300 people across the country. And we asked them, all young people between 13 and 24, and half of them were vapors, uh, e-cigarette users purposely. We purposely recruited half to be e-cigarette users and half to be non-users. And we looked at the um, we looked at whether those who were using e-cigarettes as well as cigarettes were more or less likely to be diagnosed with COVID-19. And what we found is that they were significantly more likely to be diagnosed with COVID-19 if they were an e-cigarette user. Now the question is why, and we don't know fully. 
one of the important things to note is that the data were collected in May of 2020. So it's very possible that in May of 2020, young people were, even though they were sheltering in place at home, they may have been in their backyards sharing their vaping product. Well, you share your vaping product, you're increasing your exposure to COVID-19. When you smoke or vape, you take your mask off. You're also touching right hand to mouth. So you touch the doorknob and then you touch your mouth. So you may be transmitting the virus that way. It's really hard to know. Plus we do know that vaping and smoking cigarettes irritate the lungs and hurt the lungs and change the immune system. So it could be that that's what's happening as well. We just don't know. Now there are other papers, on, um, again, mostly on adults, but there have been a couple of other papers on e-cigarettes that may find either no relationship or less of a relationship. But our study really did show a pretty clear relationship between vaping and COVID, as did, by the way, a study from the NIH. So there are some studies, but we need more studies out there. We need to understand this better. Yeah, oh, definitely. That's, uh, I think, a similar kind of ethic we had uh, in our last episode. It's uh, even though, like, this is just further research and further research conducted this is a sign of uh, kind of truth we can uh, get out of this so yeah absolutely and and one of the things that i also say when i'm talking to young people is look first of all we worry about your brains right brains continue to develop until you are in your mid-20s but and, and so anything that you put into your body and particularly into your brain, you know, you inhale and it goes to your brain that is addictive is you're more likely to become addicted to it. If you're a younger person under 25 or your brain's still changing because the nicotine actually changes the brain. But also what we don't always talk to teens and young adults about is your lungs are also developing. And so now is the time, especially during COVID, and, and as you said, yes, COVID's still out there, especially during COVID, especially with e-volley, the e-cigarette and vaping associated lung illness. We've got teens getting seizures. We've got lung collapses. We've got bronchitis. We need to protect your health and your lung health right now. So whether we understand the relationship with COVID or not, we definitely know that e-cigarettes, vaping, anything you heat and put into your lungs, breathe into your lungs is harmful. And we've got to protect your brains and your lungs at the most crucial period, adolescence and young adulthood. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better uh, myself. Absolutely. Uh, younger people need to take that initiative now uh, or else you will for there are the worst case scenarios. There are people who get seizures from the insane amounts of nicotine that we store in these things. But at the same time, too, really want to have a healthier country. If we want to uh, start turning towards these better health outcomes, we need to do, uh, we need to have healthy and any better than uh stopping uh, consuming something that very well uh, probably lead to my generation having a whole range of uh, asthmatics and other people just get this from the wide-scale abuse they do to their lungs. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think all young people, we all used to be young. Um, <laughs> not as young <laughs> as I used to be, but I think um, just you have this idea in your head that this isn't going to affect me now. Um, why should I worry about it? You know, I like the taste or, you know, you, you see this with COVID too, you know, I'm not going to get COVID. I'm young. It's not going to affect me. Um, and Famous so it's just exactly. realizing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just realizing young people realizing that, you know, what you do now will affect your future health. It really does make a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Johnny, do you want to take the next one? Yes, I'd love to. Okay. We're going to switch gears on this one because uh, uh, I've actually used uh, a toolkit in the past presenting with, I think, ran, uh, in joint with club in uh, Mono Inyo County. Some other research I've done, and I think even for some, uh, some of these episodes meetings I'll have in the future. But uh, explain uh, what the toolkits you created are and uh, the, what in this pertains to... Uh... Yes, absolutely. So I created and I'm the, well, I, my lab created, I uh, the and I'm the executive director, founder and executive director of three toolkits. The first is the tobacco prevention toolkit and the uh, tobacco prevention toolkit. Uh, sorry, let me, let me start this over. Um, I am the founder and executive director of three toolkits, the tobacco prevention toolkit, the cannabis awareness and prevention toolkit. And the, our latest one is visit the vaping information solutions and interventions toolkit. So all three of these are really geared towards helping prevent and stop young people from using all tobacco and all marijuana products and from vaping overall. So the briefly, the Tobacco Prevention Toolkit, we launched that in 2016. By the way, these are all free, so I'm not selling anything. They are completely free. They're online. We encourage everybody to go on and download the information. The Tobacco Prevention Toolkit is a set of curriculums for educators to use, particularly with their middle and high school students, but it could be for anybody. A bunch of curriculums. We've got games. We've got activities. We've got fact sheets, PowerPoints, all kinds of things in there for educators to use to teach young people about tobacco. But we also have information in there for parents and, and young people directly. We also have something called Healthy Futures. So if you are using uh, nicotine products, particularly vaping, Healthy Futures will help you. It's an activity-based program to help you move towards quitting. So the Tobacco Prevention Toolkit, we also have a new curriculum that we're gonna launch called Be Vape Free. That's gonna go up soon. It's all about vaping and prevention uh, that we just are, are probably getting some funding from the National Institutes of Health for that. So the, uh, the Tobacco Prevention Toolkit, we launched that in 2016. We've reached over 1.85 million young people, almost 2 million young people. Wow. Cannabis, yeah, we're thrilled. Um, and we do have publications showing that that the toolkit's changing your your knowledge and attitudes. 
The Cannabis Awareness and Prevention Toolkit, it's the same idea, but it's for cannabis or marijuana. That's reached, that's newer, that we didn't launch that until 2019, and that's reached about a half a million young people. And then Visit is for healthcare providers. So Visit is explicitly for healthcare providers, nurses, school counselors, school nurses, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, to help learn how to screen, counsel, and treat young people who are vaping or using any tobacco product. And that one we just launched a couple months ago. So we're really excited and we hope people will use these products. Or excuse me, shouldn't say products. We'll use these toolkits um, and we do free trainings. And if you're whoever's listening to this, you know, if you work in schools and you want to use these toolkits in your schools, we would um, come and do free trainings for you and really help give you technical assistance so you can use the curriculum, but people can go on and use them regardless, regardless of if they're being trained. Wow, that's Very so amazing. That, yeah, yeah, just to have that information. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny, go ahead. No, I'm up to the uh, praise Chelsea gave you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm foremost, I'm glad that this works. I'm glad we don't have a situation there where we're just scaring people. We're trying to scare away people, but they end up doing them anyway. I'm glad to see that you're providing information and all of this stuff to help educate people. And I'm uh, even more with training uh, that your programs do. Definitely leaving, uh, leaving a link to the uh, show notes. But Thank yes, you. Um, I can personally verify that I've used the toolkit before and <laughs> it works. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. That's so good. And I mean, yeah, the fact that they're being used, I mean, Johnny exhibit A there and <laughs> the fact it's working and it's just so amazing that that information's out there and it's free. I mean, that basically shows that you're really doing it to help people's health, to make a healthier, like America, a healthier world. And that's really amazing that you guys have that information put together for everyone. Thank you. So continuing on this thought, the general idea is that they use the toolkits, but uh, what would be your kind of outline on how you think schools and healthcare providers should go about the whole uh, prevention and treatment process for, uh, for dealing with nicotine? Yeah, I, well, a few things. First of all, I really hope that schools, when we return back in person in the fall, most schools will, that they go back to educating young people about all drugs and in particularly nicotine, tobacco products, and marijuana. We really need to keep the education going. You know, we published a paper a few years ago where teenagers said, oh, well, I don't... Um, uh, teenagers said, if you don't talk to me about marijuana, if you don't talk to me about e-cigarettes, then I'm going to assume that the products are bad. Sorry, I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Is that going to be on the recording? You guys okay? I can edit that out. You're fine. Okay, good. Sorry. So we get a lot of, I got teenagers saying in a publication we did a few years ago, if you don't talk to us about e-cigarettes, if you don't talk to us about marijuana, then we think it's okay. So just hiding our heads in the sand is going to hurt young people. We need to talk. 
We need to educate. And you're right. We don't need to scare them. There's plenty of bad things about these themselves. We don't need to scare them. We need to be honest. We need to help young people understand them. And we need to help them understand organically why these products are not for them. So I'm hoping that we, the schools do that. I'm also hoping that schools will use, rather than suspend or expel a student who is vaping, we're hoping that schools will use alternative to suspension programs, like our Healthy Futures program. There are other programs out there too that we're hoping that if a, if a student is caught vaping, rather than punish them, rather than, uh, um, uh, well, you don't get arrested, but you know, sending them home, that we work with them and help them. Because as we were saying at the beginning of this, you know, these, pro these products came on the market so quickly. They came on the market unregulated with, with flavors, with bling, with marketing, all these things. It's no wonder young people were using them. And we shouldn't be blaming young people. We should be blaming the industry. We should be upset with the FDA. We're not, we should not be upset with young people themselves. So let's help them rather than punish them. So that's the other thing. We also really need to help young people who are using, stop using by, by helping them, by giving them medications, therapies, uh, using our visit toolkit, anything we could do, because it is, it is not easy to quit these products. They're highly, highly addictive. And John, I'm impressed and proud of you for quitting. They're hard to quit. And oh my know, God, yeah. Right? And, and we know young people who have quit and gone back to using them because it is hard. So we need to help people get off of these products and be sympathetic and work with them. So that's what I hope. And I'm also hoping that parents will get more educated about these new products. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping healthcare providers get more educated. I give talks across the country to parents and healthcare providers and teachers, and they still don't know enough about these products. Uh, despite me giving one to two to three talks a week. So we really need to keep getting this word out a lot. Yeah, I love how you phrase it. Uh, I, I actually think, um, and again, I'm, I'm from Indiana. I'm currently in Indiana for the summer because it's cheaper than, than renting in California. But I have had friends and family easier time getting the means than getting off of cigarettes or vaping yeah like that that's that's been a reality for yeah. uh, my community and that's terrible um but i think you you just lay it out really well um in, in the same way that just having police punish crime you know doesn't make a substantial impact on crime we we can't just punish students or younger people to to have them stop vaping we can't just we we can't just tell them that they're wrong we have to show that they're wrong and more importantly we have to give them a way that they can correct it right yeah like the, what isn't it uh one ounce of uh, prevention or one, one ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. Right, right, exactly. That's exactly right. Right, most important is we prevent. We educate, we prevent. 
but then we need better ways to help screen, counsel, and treat people who are using these products. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, it's uh, and I, I'm bringing up entirely different examples, but this is where my mind goes to, and I think, uh, in a more sociological way, it kind of sets it in. Like people mm -hmm. are determined or motivated to do bad or illegal stuff mainly not because we have people with some innate evil in their selves, some innate nature to do bad things. People deprived of resources will make poor decisions to go and get these resources. Exactly. So the enemy isn't uh, young people. The enemy victims of poverty or of Use. the the enemy are the people who facilitate and expand this poverty the enemy are the people who expand and facilitate further substance abuse in society and further targeting of children with these poisonous substances i i totally agree john i think you said it beautifully well i'm 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 appreciating that uh, i have someone from stanford my views on this. I'm not crazy. <laughs> You're never crazy, John. Just oh, uh, Chelsea. It always makes ask, sense. Uh, wonderful doctor. Uh, the next question. Yes, of course. And so we were talking about, you know, the power of education. I mean, really knowledge. We give back to the community by giving out knowledge. And so say someone listens to this podcast and they're like, man, I'm so mad at big vape. I'm so mad at big tobacco. I want to get involved. I want to make a difference. So like a young person, a teen, or even a young adult, um, what opportunities are available for people who want to go into this sort of advocacy and in regards to vaping and their health? Absolutely. It's a great question. Well, first of all, you've got your group, which is fantastic. Um, we've got our own youth advocacy board. Uh, we've got a group of 20 teenagers and young adults, 13 to 22 year olds. And we're, we are, um, are going to put a call out for more students to join that, particularly looking for middle and high school students across the country who are interested uh, you do not, you are allowed to have been a vapor. It is okay. And it's okay if you've never been a vapor. We do not ask, we do not judge. But we want to get young people on our board to, and we do pay a little bit, tiny bit, uh, to come on board and give us advice, help us teach, help us educate. Uh, we do webinars with them. They help build our curriculum and so forth. They also pay, play a role in our research. So we've got that. The Tobacco Free Kids has a youth advocacy group. California Youth Advocacy Network has a youth board. A lot of groups have youth organizations within them. So I also, I and, and also there's um, SAVE, I think it's called Students Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. There are a lot of different groups out there. And I just encourage students to reach out and ask, ask for applications and get involved. You can also, if you don't want to join an organization and you just simply want to help in your schools, you'll get the word out. It's not cool to jewel. Vaping's not cool. Um, it's, it's not, I, you know, I use uh, Star Trek. It's not logical to vape. 
it, it's it's important for us just to keep getting the word out and for young people to do that as well. Um, and, and then we're going to start turning, you know, for a while there, when I would go talk to youth, I, I remember once I had a young lady come up to me, she must have been 13, 14, and she said, Dr. Bonnie, everybody calls me Dr. Bonnie, Dr. Bonnie, do you have a fake jewel? And I said, well, no, why do you want a fake jewel? And she said, there's so much pressure for me to vape and to jewel, I want to pretend. And and that was just so sad to me that there was so much pressure. Um, and we talked about ways for her to say no, but there's so much pressure out there. If we can get you know, a bunch of teens to change that pressure to pressure not to use, or it's okay not to use, it's cool not to use, then we're going to do some good. So teenagers can get involved at the cities, at the local level within their schools, at the city, state and federal level. And I definitely encourage young people to do that. We also need young people to speak and to present anytime there is litigation, anytime we have um, a situation where we're really hoping, you know, anytime we have a situation where um, uh, where a city is proposing a flavor ban or an e-cigarette ban, I go testify the best voices are the youth voices, not mine. So we need to really empower and teach young people to go out there and represent the work that we're all doing. Yeah, again, another amazing point. I guess this is touching into everywhere. Which, which I thoroughly appreciate because my, my head's just everywhere uh, this week. Uh, first, I'd like to say, as a Star Trek nerd, I think Nimoy would be proud of, uh, of you picking up that uh, terminology. I, I, think that, I think that definitely honors the vision of the program. Uh, thank you. Because Leonard Nimoy died... Um, and you can put this on the record. Lyndon Nimoy, Spock from Star Trek, the original Star Trek, he died of COPD, which from smoking. And when he died, he really wanted to make sure that adults quit and no kids started smoking or vaping. He died right when the vaping was starting and he was very concerned. So it's something that his family and I, and you can keep this on the record, something his family and I have talked about and are trying to work together. So um, to get the word out that, vaping is illogical uh, and there are other ways to get cool technology. We don't need it to be in the form of, of an e-cigarette device. So it's something that, you know, he, he, his memory and legacy, I, and I'm a big Star Trek fan as is my older daughter, that I'm hoping that we can get, you know, people to realize Trekkies and and Star Warsies and and everything out there will realize that it's not cool and there are other ways to to be cool. Oh my gosh, that is the best thing I've I've, I've while during this hit short run of 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 Jen Green, that is amazing. Oh my gosh, that's it. I'm gonna be in tobacco control the rest of my life now. <laughs> Bonnie's decided, yeah. Oh, I love gosh, it. Good yeah. to you. And I thought I'm a nerd out on this episode. Oh, yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. This is a nerdy episode for us. I love it. Oh, it's all right. I'm a nerd, so I'm with you there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and that, that's awesome. Wow. And then uh, what was the other statement I was going to say? Uh, Nimoy would be proud. Um. Sorry, I was just so distracted by that that other section we went into. Um, 
yes, I remember now. But uh, touching into, uh, we're going to have another person on the program soon, uh, who's also uh, for younger people being involved in civic engagement. And uh, I like to emphasize the point you have. We absolutely, we absolutely need to have younger people involved in the democratic process. That is, that is so vital. Oh my God. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm going to dab on Florida a bit. Not, especially not in the light of recent tragedies, because that's horrible and awful. And I, and I totally don't mean it like that. But I mean it as someone whose dad is from Florida. Uh, Florida is probably as bad as it is now, because that's where we send all of our older people to die. <laughs> like they, they vote. This is very partisan of me, and I apologize. At worst, we'll have this edited out. We, <laughs> you probably want to. <laughs> we cannot just have younger people, really, uh, formerly incarcerated people, being uninvolved in the in the civic process because their voice because they I mean at the very least they they pay taxes so immediately they need say in that but if we're going to have old people who don't care about stuff go in and run stuff and they won't care about stuff because they'll be dead by the time that these laws get through or they start to see their planet burning or they start to see a whole generation of asthmatics and people hooked on nicotine uh, that is that is the perfect time for younger people to come in, be involved, enliven, and come democratic process. Because out of out of all them could get this country from any range of perspective. A lot of these criticisms, I'd say, painful criticisms come in how how this country fails to keep to its democratic values. Hence, we have to keep it, we have to keep its feet to this fire. And how we do that is that we keep on having younger people involved in this process. So yeah, younger people, middle, high schoolers, anyone, uh, your voice matters. Eat, like if, if you were a 15 year old like me working at a chicken joint, uh, my voice mattered back then too. And it still matters now and in this process definitely 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 i mean couldn't say it better johnny why thank you <laughs> is there anything you want our audience to know dr bonnie is there anything last parting words anything like that yeah you know don't be duped um maybe that's a little old-fashioned uh but don't get manipulated into thinking these are fine. Don't get manipulated into thinking it's just harmless water vapor. Don't think it's just harmless flavors. It's just minerals. Anything that we vape, I worry about for you. Anything we heat and put it into our lungs, I worry about for your lungs and your heart. So protect your lungs and your heart now more than ever. And, and if you are interested in getting involved, get involved, be an advocate, stand up for your rights. Your voices are heard 
way more than anybody else's voices. You do count and always realize that it's really important. That that's a wonderful way of putting it. Uh, for the record, uh, could we have you say, don't let Manta Ray lie to you? This is a joke we have <laughs> in the program. Are you going to put that on the... Yes, on the final <laughs> thing, because we, we, we compare Big Tobacco to, like, the supervillain that we, that we saw from a cartoon growing up. Could, could we have you say, don't let Manta Ray and Big Tobacco lie to you? Sure. Don't let man manta ray manta ray like yeah. the fish. Okay. Don't let manta ray and big tobacco lie to you. Bravo. Thank you, Dr. So Thank you so much for being here. You have just talking to you. I feel smarter and we got to <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> I make everybody say you should have heard my 21 and well, not so much my 21. My 25 year old is drooling. She's so happy that I uh, got to meet them. They went around saying, "Baby Spock, you got to meet Baby Spock." <laughs> oh my god! So, That's awesome. So please um, let me know how it goes if you need anything, um, and please send me. I think we agreed that I can put this on our websites and stuff as well when you send it to me. Yeah. Distribute this however ways you want. Um, I'm going to have this edited and out probably by uh, the 4th of July, if not. Wow. Fabulous. So it, okay. will be, it will be in. You are wonderful. Good luck with it. Let me know if there's anything I can do. And you guys keep up the good work. You're doing great. Thank you so much. That means so much from you. You stay safe, Dr. Bonnie. You too. You too. Stay well. Take care, you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. She was so nice. That was a good episode. I can't made her say the manta ray part. Oh, dude. I had to do it. I, I mean, I'm glad, she was, it. I'm glad she was cool with it because I, I think that's great. Oh, my God. We need to have every single one of our guest speakers say that now. Yes, yes. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, like people will go and archive this program. We'll like have our own Wikipedia page. Yeah. And then like, so you know what? This is staying in the episode. This is going to be our like thoughts and commentary before you you get to the end bit. Is that fine? That's totally fine with me. Oh my god. <laughs> there, there's this stupid thing because like i'm a yeah i'm a i'm this huge nerd um there, there was this guy who was an, an internet wall cow and people would like wiki all the weird and horrible crap he would do mm -hmm. but like there were whole there were whole sagas like they 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 went and, and recorded this dude's life based on the oh. stupid stuff he would post, oh. like it was the great Viking epics. Oh my gosh. So this, you know, I'd imagine Jen Green is going to go the same way. And this will same be route. the start of the Manta Ray saga. <laughs> I love it. Oh gosh, I hope now. Oh my gosh. We'll make it so. Th we this will is make it happen.
too good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All of our future interviewees, be prepared. <laughs> For listening to this episode, this podcast is made possible through listeners like you. During this episode, we got to talk with amazing Dr. Bonnie Halpern Flesher from Stanford. Uh, we got to talk about vaping, the dangers of vaping, um, some great toolkits that are going to be linked in the show notes, and all this amazing information. Thanks again for listening to our Gen Green podcast powered by Yaft. Also, start following us on social media. Our Facebook page is Yaft Young Adults Buying Tobacco, and our Instagram handle is Yaft Coalition. Thanks again.